Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, what's going on? Happy Wednesday. I know it's weird. We have two episodes coming out this week. Um, had a ton. I've recorded a bunch over the last few months and wanted to start getting some more of them out here as I've already got a ton you know, scheduled and, and wanted to have here for the summertime. So more or less, I figured why I hold on to them. Let's get them out and get them released here. So the one I have today is with Cade Mastis and Mike Lilligren from Maven Optics. So we recorded this out at the Harrisburg Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania back in February. And as you know, Maven is a, a partner of the podcast and I've worked with these guys at the booth in Harrisburg for three years now. been using their optics for a long time. Awesome products. And, and as you hear, I mean, awesome guys behind the company and what what I what I like about like any of the companies that I like to support or you know either buy from work with whatever it may be when you have some great people good customer service everything else behind it to me that's what makes a, a company and their culture and I'm sure that's going to come through pretty clear in this podcast but these guys are awesome and I can't wait to to uh, for you to listen to this one so in other news um. This month, if you order anything, any apparel from the website, we're giving out a free ebook to the the new book released from our friends um, Travis Greenwood and Scott Daniels that were on the podcast a few episodes ago called Team Bad Decision. They have a book coming out, and it's called Team Bad Decision. Met these guys in the backcountry of Colorado, and just some really cool dudes. Keep it as real as possible i mean they talk about their struggles their frustrations their downfalls as well as their successes you can learn a lot from it with it being entertaining as well but anyways i'm giving out one of these books um one of the electronic versions to one lucky winner with any of the apparel purchases on the website in the month of april so i have um yeah so i have that book coming out with a bunch of new apparel items. So the stealth hats um, are in stock again, along with the mountain buck shirts. They should be arriving here this week, um, maybe in the next couple of days here, getting ready to be shipped, as well as the um, Arrowhead Active hats are back in stock, which are the ones that are meant for you know warm weather, active wear, running. They're, they When you sweat in them, they wick moisture really good. Awesome hats. And and everything else from the Arrowhead t-shirts all the way through the line. Everything by the end of this week should be back in stock, ready to go. So get on the website, check that out. If you want to support the podcast that way, would really appreciate it. Uh, check that out. And in other news, turkey season's coming up here soon. As you heard in the podcast with Jake a couple days ago, um, have another podcast coming out in the beginning of next week, actually with my buddy Rick Maxson, who's been on the podcast before, and another buddy of mine, Alec Nebel, who are turkey hunting fiends. And we're going to talk a little bit about hunting farm country turkeys, a little different than 
than normal, but um, talking about their method of knocking on doors, gaining permission, scouting, everything else, and and also Rick's recent Texas Rio hunt, which is a very interesting uh, take on things where he took a, a nice Rio and a hog, not to give away the spoiler, but he did. So with that being said, let's uh, let's get into this podcast here with uh, Mike and Cade. Enjoy. But first, I want to talk about the partners of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. So as always, the University of Elk Hunting, Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together a fully comprehensive course of elk hunting. So with an annual membership, you can learn everything from planning the hunt all the way through the calling, fitness, gear, packing out the animal, and everything in between. And if you listen to the recent podcast I did with Corey, which has been the most downloaded episode that we've had to date, um, for good reason. You know, Corey really put his heart and soul into this course to teach everyone from beginning elk hunters who have never been out all the way through people that are experienced can learn something from this course and take away. So what Corey's done for the East Meets West Hunt listeners, he's offering $20 off or 20% off this course with entering code East Meets West at checkout. So check that out over at elk101.com. Click on the University of Elk Hunting and take a look at it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on email or Instagram. In addition to that, Maven Optics. So Maven is who this whole podcast is going to be about today, but this company has come out with the highest quality optics on the market at a price that's half of what their competitors are. And they're doing that by using the direct-to-consumer business model. So basically what they're doing is you can't buy these binoculars anywhere besides online or at trade shows. So a full-line binoculars, spot and scope, rifle scopes, uh, and apparel that they have available. And what Maven is really stands out for me personally is one in their low light capabilities from the optics standpoint. Uh, I have a video over on my Instagram if you want to check it out how amazing it is in, in low light situations, which I use the the B2 9x45s are my personal favorite for out west. For whitetail hunting, I like the 8x30s, which are the B3 model. And also, Maven's customer service is second to none and one of the reasons i know that is working at the harrisburg show recently i worked with their customer service person which is molly and she's great it's when you pick up the phone you're talking to a real person that's the reason why i say that you're not calling and getting a different call center somewhere when they say lifetime warranty they mean it when you call you're getting a real person that really helps you out so check out Maven Optics, and if you're going to look at purchasing a full price pair of optics, you can get a free gift with that order. Just enter East Meets West dash gift at checkout for that. So check them out. And lastly, Heather's Choice. So Heather has created meals for adventuring, hunting, hiking, camping, traveling, whatever it might be. They're dehydrated meals, gluten-free, dairy-free healthy options, high in protein, high in fat to be able to 
fuel you for any adventure. So check out Heather's Choice Pack Runes. I'd recommend really taking a look at little coconut snacks, now available in little single-serving packets. Um, They're basically a coconut cookie, amazing, and are packed with high-fat, high-protein, dense calories to be able to fuel you in the mountains. Or again, if you're in the airport and need a a healthy snack and don't want to go and grab a candy bar, that's uh, the way to go. So check that out. Any orders over $99, use code EASTMEETSWEST, and you'll get free shipping on that order. Otherwise, if you just want to try something out, get you know a few packs of packaroons or maybe a breakfast dinner combo, still use the link in our website. would really appreciate that to show the support for us. Thank you. A couple of skids walk into my podcast the other day. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you nailed, nailed that. You nailed that. We got it. So... Here, Harrisburg, or I guess Dauphin, Pennsylvania. We're Dauphin. Dauphin, Dauphin, however you want to say it. In uh, the Maven Lodge here with Mike Lilligren and Cade Mastis. Nice. Did I pronounce that right? Nailed it. Well done. Boy, you're two for two. I know. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. Got to be around you guys for... Two weekends not and two weekends in a row. Yeah, got well, to get to. Luckily, not nine days. <laughs> so it that's is, it is a slog. The Harrisburg slog is a, a real thing. Holy moly! Yeah, it's a long show. It's a grind, but it's worth it. It's a good show, and we're glad to be here. Yeah, good people. Yeah, I mean, Mike was like sleeping right before this. So I was, I was, I was. They say half asleep, but I was fully asleep. Yeah, so if he starts snoring during the podcast, we're not turning his mic off. We're just going <laughs> to let it roll. All right. Just to add to some character. It's guttural. Yeah. So as as you can see here in Harrisburg. Here. You got, as you can hear. As here. you can see here. As you can see here. <laughs> Yins. Yins. Oh, man. Two Wyoming guys, and you bring them to Pennsylvania, and it's hard to keep control of them. That's, that's the issue, but... <laughs> so Mike and Cade, we're at the the Maven Lodge here, day eight of the Great American Outdoor Show, and it's been a pretty good week so far. Would you say? Yeah, it is a great American show. I gotta say, three hundred thousand people come through this show in a week. It's insane. It is. It's insane. There's more people coming through this show. I mean, that's three quarters of our state, that of is. Wyoming, yep. in one week. Come through this show. That's insane. It is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's so insane. We, we talk to brands all across the country, and you know, a couple of them are like, yeah, yeah, we're going out to do the, the Harrisburg slog. And the rest of them are like, oh, you do that show? It's so long. But like, you know, it's to me, there's no other place in the, it's not just to me. Obviously, it is the largest outdoor show in the country. and In the world. It's the same largest. thing. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's the largest outdoor <laughs> show in the world. So, where else can you get in front of 300,000 people in a nine day period? Yeah. 600,000. Or did I, you say 300,000? 300, 300. He said three, but uh, it's six. Whatever. It's three, three. Three was the number last last year. But okay. if you want to go with six, Bo, go with six. Whatever. You know, I mean, Wyoming math, Pennsylvania math, you know, we don't have to use our toes, but whatever. <laughs> we just double everything, exaggerate just the hell double out everything. Of it. <laughs> that was the biggest 19-point buck I ever did see. 
Anyway, <laughs> back anyway, on back on track. <laughs> no matter how you slice it or count it, it is absolutely an it's amazing huge. show, and, and it's an awesome show. Yeah, and for us, you know, we're a we're a high performance optics company, and not every person that comes through the booth is our customer. But that's true, no matter where we are. Right. And you don't need much of a percent of a percent of that of of three quarters of a million people of three quarters of a million people right. to dig what you're doing to have a good week. And so, third of um, it's a third of a million. I wasn't even listening to you. So, <laughs> oh, so man. it's it's a great show to be at, and it I is. love talking to people. I love you. Know, you do not. I didn't say I liked people. I said I like talking to people, which is oh, a big difference. That's fair. Um, so I had guys coming up to the booth today. They said, all right, you're the first binocular stand we've been to today. Tell us what the numbers mean. We don't know anything mm. about binoculars. What is the, in the 8 by 30, what does the 8 mean? What it is, is the X It's mean? amazing to me what the how many mean? people claim they know what that means, but they really don't. Yeah, and the, it, it's nice when people just step up and admit it. And as much as I love people to buy my product, obviously that's why we're around. I really enjoy just chatting with people that walk away going, "Huh, I learned. I learned yeah. something new today. I I know what the numbers mean, and you know, today I'm really only ready to spend fifty dollars on a binocular, and we don't have that in our booth." In a couple of years, if they're ready to upgrade, hopefully they give us a shot. But at least they'll understand what they're doing. At least they're they have some knowledge when they go to that next booth and can have that conversation. And um, terrible segues, by the way. But honestly, that's what's cool about direct to consumer. Yeah, I'm sitting here chatting with the end user all day, and I get to take that back with me to Wyoming. And the next time we're designing a binocular, go. Hey, you know what that uh, Yins from Pennsylvania said? Yinzer. Hey, Yinzer. Get it there right. you go. Yinzer. Yeah, Yinzer. Um, <clears throat> they asked about this. They asked about this. And this is a unique um, opportunity for the East Coaster to meet the West Coaster. In- oh, oh, that was segue. a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, I, what's funny is a few guys I noticed even today that came into the to the booth and and they ended up going through purchasing optics. We're like, this is the third year in a row I stopped by, and like, yep. you know what I mean? It's just like that. I've like been finally. Thing. I've been planning this for. I've been yeah. thinking about this. I've been stewing on this. I've been researching. Yeah, finally pulling the trigger. That's awesome to be able to see that. That's for sure. So now that now we kind of talked about that a little bit, do you want to introduce yourselves and who you are and who are the the smart asses behind the mic? So this guy over here <laughs> is Cade Mastis. <laughs> I'm, Cade, I'm flexing, by the way. Right? He is flexing. This, yeah. You can't tell. Even I can't tell. But he is. He's Cade and I have been business partners for holy crap, fourteen since, years. Fourteen years we've been working together. Ish, ish. And uh, you know, he uh, he's in charge of operations. He's in charge of logistics. He's in charge of sales. And uh, and basically operations of the Maven company, mm-hmm. yeah, and and marketing and his email is no, he does no. not do marketing. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh no, we'll have that. Neither up. of us do marketing, <laughs> but you can email info at mavenbuilt dot com and Molly will direct you to marketing. So I guess we're doing this this way. So I get to introduce Mike, which is pretty awesome. So Mike Lilligren is 
again, my business partner of many, many years through multiple ventures. So it's not our first rodeo. Um, actually not even our second rodeo, which is still a small amount of rodeos if you're fighting a bull. Um, (laughs) really, I mean, who established one as the ultimate rodeo amount, right? No, this is not my first rodeo. It's not my second rodeo. Yeah. And yet I'm still getting my ass kicked by a bull. Um, sorry, there's the first beep that you need to edit into your podcast. So I think it's funny. You think I edit. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny that is funny it's like he knows how to edit the dude's an engineer <laughs> he has no idea so mike has at our company mike does finance and admin that's his primary role of course sales is everybody's role but he backs me up a lot on the uh show stuff and helping ru- coordinate and run things and between the two of us we're uh we're the A team on sales, um, Ow. and which is tough, That's buddy. Serious. That's tough, buddy. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't picked up on all already and haven't checked out Letter Kenny, type it in sometime online, and you'll get a few of our references, including my introduction to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and is if, also a world famous climber, which he doesn't like to talk famous. about very much. But he was in the nineteen ninety six. April. April, 1996, National Geographic Adventure Center. National Geographic, the Yellow Mag, not the Yellow Mag, sorry. National Geographic. Yeah, the real one. While you were climbing in Pakistan? Yep. So he's been a big wall climber in Pakistan, Greenland, other lands. There's like, they they all rhyme. He won't go if it doesn't rhyme. But, uh, and he is one of the um, two thirds of Maven. So, me, Mike, and our business partner, Brendan, who is this week at Sheep Show. Uh, yeah. One of the other. Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada. One of the, or Nevada. Cooler shows. Nevada. That goes on. Potato, potato. Nevada, Nevada. Caramel, caramel. <laughs> There's a difference there. You add milk yeah, to caramel. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get off rail. Don't, off don't you right, start sorry. with me. I'm the one supposed to reel you guys in, and I'm taking you down. Oh. Reel it in. Reel it in. So, All right, back to Mike's climbing. So, well, I, I was on Brendan, so oh. so to speak. So there's three of us. We started the company five and a half, almost six years ago, and that's not what you asked. We introduced ourselves already, but I did want to include Brendan because... Mm-hmm. Because he's not here. Because he's not here, and there's three of us. I've never met Brendan yet. We miss him. That's all right. You've never met Brendan? No. That's because you're in the East and need to come to the West. He's the West. I do meet the West occasionally, but I haven't met Lander, Wyoming, that's all. Yeah, but yeah, so actually, Cade, you had started already, um, which was good. You kind of knew the direction I was going with to kind of who is and what is Maven. You kind of started with the who is and what is. So Maven is the three of us um, initially, but what's cool about Maven, and it, it starts with the actual name of our company, Maven, means an expert influencer, someone who has knowledge and influences others in their decisions. And it really started out as our marketing concept long before we established the the name of our company. Um comes from this book by an author named Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point. He talks about the different people in your network. 
different people that you know. And you have that networker in your community. Exactly. You have that networker, that person, male or female, guy or gal, that knows everybody. Like you chat with them. Oh, yeah, I know someone that does this. I know someone that does that. In our community, honestly, that's Mike. He knows everybody. He knows climbers. He knows hunters. I can't remember anybody's name, but I can't remember their name. And he's like, hey, chief, you should meet Captain over here. They're... They're climbing and hunting and shooting and woo-ha. Yeah. So there's that, the networker. The connector is what it's called in the book. But then there's also the maven, the person who is an expert that you trust to give you advice on any particular special item. Like I like to fly fish. That's one of my passions. And I've got a couple of people that if I'm going to go out fishing this weekend, let's say I'm going to go on the little Paposia I call up Chris, and I'm like, hey, Chris, what's hitting on the little Poe? And he'll say, oh, you want this, and you want this, and you want this. And when he says it, I'm down at the fly shop buying the stuff. He is my fishing maven. He's my influencer, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what the company was based around. Isn't full-page ads in any particular magazine. I'm not going to hurt anyone's feelings by naming them. But full-page ads here and... You know, really, we were founded off this whole idea that if we design cool stuff, build quality product, that I teach you about it, and then you tell your friend, and you tell he tells his friend, and this core audience of people really starts believing in our product and spreading the word on our behalf, and that's that's who Maven is. You know, so when I say the Maven's the three of us looping back around to your original question because it seemed like I got off track. But, oh, no, I'm on it like a train. But what you missed is we make optics. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. You asked, He asked who is Maven, not what is Maven. I'm not there oh, yet. I thought he asked what, what Mike, is Maven. you got to pay attention. Why are you Come letting on. me take this abuse, Bo? I'm, uh, yeah, I turned off Mike's mic, so we're good. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, so when I say who is Maven, I say, you know, it's me, Mike, and Brendan that founded it, but... That that's years ago. Maven is the a whole bunch of people people know. that really yeah. believe and are passionate about our product. It's uh, it's guys like you that are able to hang out in our booth and talk about your experience using it in the field. It's Tony that was here working this week that took a week of vacation to honestly come out and tell people about our product. It's Molly. Molly. Our, it's our staff back home. It's the. Guys working the the West Coast shows this weekend that are doing it because they're passionate. And it's awesome. It's awesome that this little company out of Wyoming has people from Australia to Alaska going, you know what? This is fantastic product without the frills, without the gimmicks. and Without the markup. Yeah, without the markup because we're direct to consumer. The who is Maven? It's pretty cool story. Yeah, no, I I like that. I like a longer that. story than you really asked for. But no, that's no, that's exactly what I want. Go in as much detail or as little detail as you please. Whatever makes you happy, Cade, is what makes me happy. You know, really, not really at all. I just say that to Gin sound cool. Yes, this uh, Tangeray and tonic makes me happy. Yeah, nah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep moving along. We'll go with the Yingling. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with. No, I got a nugget, nugget nectar, nectar that I'm going on. over there. Which is a local. Trogues. Trogues Brewery. Trogues Brewery. One of our favorites. It's our favorite PA brew. Well, yeah, when I showed up on last Friday 
to go to the was it the Eagles? The Eagle. The Eagle. Eagle the Eagle for Hotel. some wings. We go in. There was no choice of what beer I was wings drinking. Wings and wings. We were getting nugget but we nectar. We upgraded to nugget nectar. Yeah. Yep. Nugget nectar, ten uh, traditional bone in. Yep. And crab cakes, and which crab you refused cakes, to. No eat. filler. Yeah, I didn't eat any crab cakes, but apparently I was supposed Dude, to. Dude, I ate your crab cakes. It was awesome. Thanks for eating no crab cakes. Like, I'm always looking out for you. Thank that's, you, brother. That's the thing, you Thank know. Thank you. All right, so that was the who is Maven. Yeah. Now, the what is Maven. I'm going to let Mike fill that in because. No, I think you're on the roll. You should just keep <laughs> rolling. I like what, you're going, what you've got going on here. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Punt. And go. And go. Mike has to pee. Mike is known in the uh, in the company as Tiny Tanks Lilligren. <laughs> it's roughly the equivalent of how much uh, fuel we have in our tank when we're towing across country. So every two hours we have to stop and gas up and let him deflate. If those ever get out of sync, we're hosed for the trip because he will make us stop 10 minutes early. Anyway. That sounds like me, but I won't go down that road. That's fair enough. So what is Maven is a pretty short answer with hours and hours of detail behind it. But the short answer is we are a high-quality optics company that sells direct to consumer. And, you know, we had this conversation earlier this week, and it was kind of funny about the direct-to-consumer model. And you're younger than us, Bo, by a significant amount. Like um, a factor of two. I have my wedding anniversary this year is the same as your birthday in years. So, so I will be married 26 years in June, and you're 26 years old. I'll be Give 27 me. in June, but all right. So close. Right, got one year on him. So really, um, if we had been pregnant for a year when you were, you could be my kid. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. No. Neither does he. So anyway. <laughs> Um, when we grew up, direct-to-consumer was these catalogers, Finger Hut and Oriental Trading Post, and it was... Eddie Bauer. Well, we'll get there later. I mean, it was... You didn't necessarily know if you could believe it. The factory direct pricing, and it was, mm. it was this marketing shtick that was passed out there, but no one really believed it, and or maybe you did, I don't know, but it wasn't... Nobody wasn't really delivering delivered it. quality products that were paramount to your lifestyle. It was it was fringe stuff. It was maybe a you know a lamp or some silverware, or whatever. It was no big deal. But direct consumer really came alive with the internet. The internet changed your ability on how you buy stuff, um, and. At the same time, you had the whole chaos going on with Kuyu and um, Sitka and the Gore split up and everyone kind of parting ways. And Kuyu really pioneered, especially in the outdoor industry, the high-end direct-to-consumer concept. Um, they came out and they were transparent on their vision that you could get a $300 jacket, which is still expensive in the outdoor. I mean, yes, you can go down to any big box store or local discount store and get a $30 rain jacket, 
But they were trying to be transparent and say, look, this $300 rain jacket is $300 because we put a $200 into the cost from the factory. Keep a little for ourselves because if you don't, you're out of business. And then we sell it to you and that's it. But if we put, if we sold it to you for 400 kept 100 for ourselves, backed it down to the factory, really we'd only put 100 into it and you spend $100 more and get $100 less in product, right? They re- really try to be transparent about it and kind of forged this ahead in the industry of a concept of direct consumer. And I know someone's listening to this and sitting there with their calculator and go, hey, wait, whatever he just said doesn't make sense. And it's because this is not my first Tangeray and Tonic tonight. So my numbers are not great, but you got to understand the concept of what it means to have to be paying these different layers of retail. There's a lot of people taking a cut by the time it hits you at the store. And, I mean, we've never been shy about crediting Kuyu with pioneering that high-value high direct-to-consumer model. And I don't know if we would have been brave enough to completely risk doing it as the first in the industry. No, I'm sure we wouldn't have. I mean, as we sat down and and the three of us were kind of carving out like what made sense for us to build a product line, a brand, to live in Wyoming and to uh to to branch into the optics industry, which obviously had a lot of players but we saw these prices, the, 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 the market prices for optics just keep going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And then you saw, as you said, Cade, um, Kuyu and, and other brands, but Kuyu really in the, in the hunting industry was carving that niche. Carving that niche of opening up uh, the opportunity and the understanding of direct-to-consumer for the market. And when you, 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 you pair that... Um, the, the ability, which we, and we'll get into that a little bit, but the, the opportunity that, to make high-performance optics, which was out there for us, and we, we, we saw that. And we, had, we had the ability to achieve on-par performance with these big brands that were going in a traditional market. But, but by going direct, we could hit a price point that, that was much more approachable for the average consumer. And so whether that's a, uh, you know, a compact binocular in a, in a, you know, for a whitetail hunter or a high power optic for, for a Southwest elk hunter who's looking a long, long distance, either way, no matter where you spread that spectrum by going direct and cutting out that middleman, we were hitting something uh, performance-wise and price-wise that really made sense. And it's, it's, you're right. It's right on par with what was happening with, with high-performance fabrics in, uh, in, in apparel. Sure. And something that companies talk about, I don't care what industry you're in, is you, you hit this rollover point of being able to service your customer as a small agile startup to be, mm. when you become a big company and have to start doing things differently. And you look at these big companies um, in the optics industry 
and whether it's a European um, company that's been in existence for 70 years or a Great Lakes area company that's been in business about 15 years, they hit these thresholds <laughs> that they... It took him a while to process, but I appreciate no, no, that. I know. No, it, I, no, oh. I'm laughing because um, you're right. They've turned the corner. It's not the it's not the the age of the company. It's the size of yeah. the company that that and you have to add this infrastructure, right? That has to get paid, mm-hmm. right? And I am the first person. Trust me, I raise my hand as the first person I in the room that make says. Money. A business has to make money. Totally. I do not begrudge you making a profit. But if you're a company that has a big factory that has hit a point where your internal sales team can't manage everything, so you hire sales reps. And I've got a lot of friends out there making their percentage of sales reps, so I'm big not people. knocking it. Um, but that sales rep takes a percentage. And then they go to a retail buyer. And to me, in the entire industry, and there's seven guys out there wearing crowns sitting on thrones of gold that are going to hate me for saying this, the big box retail buyer is absolutely the biggest detriment to the outdoor industry that exists. Ouch. That's a bold statement. All seven of them can hate me. I'll take it. (laughs) There are 18. There are. There is strategic 18. Um, and none of them buy from me because I'm direct to consumer, so I can get away with this. But back in the day, I'm going to back this up a little bit and say, back in the day when we used to work for the wholesale industry, our product was not designed for the consumer. Our product is, was designed for 18 buyers in the country. This is a different company, by different the way. Different company. That's the back in the day. Everyone's supposed to see the hazy, right, a little flashback. Yeah episode and if you're working in the wholesale industry if you're working for brand b or brand v or whatever you want to call yourself your entire presentation revolves around about 18 or 20 people a year they make or break your year so you roll into a big box company that has the capability of buying millions of dollars from you they have the capability of buying container loads of product from you And you walk in and you lay out, all right, here's the four products I've spent blood, sweat, and tears for the last two years to put together. You lay it out on the table and you're proud and you're excited and they look at it and they go, ooh, well, I already have a product at $1,200. I like that, but if it was in green, I could probably buy more of them. Ooh, yep, I wouldn't buy that item. And you walk out of there. And you completely change your product development scheme based on what that buyer says. So you get rid of that one item they said they would never buy. You change that item from brown to green, and you back this one down from twelve hundred to a thousand, so you fit within theirs, their schema, their planogram. And the way you get that twelve hundred down to a thousand is you take the product down in value. You go back to your factory and say. Cut this coating, remove yeah. this element. Let's get rid of these lenses. Let's change this from magnesium to aluminum. Let's do whatever we have to do because that's who you're selling to. That's your customer. That's your, your customer. customer is not the hunter. It's not the end consumer. It's not the user. It's not the bird watcher. It's not any of those. It's the buyer. It's the 
big so, so box this buyer car. is deciding what you as a consumer, Bo, when you walk into big box store C, they've already decided what you get to view when you walk into that store. Not your vision, not your use in the field, not, oh, I wish I had X, Y, or Z. You're going to walk into this store and you're going to see the 20 SKUs that that buyer thought 18 months ago. And this buyer is measured. I mean, you, you do what you're measured by. So as a, as a whitetail hunter, mm-hmm. you're measured by your success from the tree stand. That's how you measure yourself, right? Yep. You say, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to do. This is how I measure myself. A buyer is measured in the same way, but they're measured based on the, the performance of the products they sell. So they take this, this spreadsheet of products they sell, they extrapolate that into what they need to buy, and that's what they base their buying decisions on. It's not based on what the end consumer really wants, but on what dollars are moving through the Yeah, market. so it's not based off that hunt last October when they missed a buck because they... They passed on a buck because they couldn't decide if he had the right point count. Mm-hmm. And so they let him walk, and then they saw him in the highlight and goes, oh, crap. He was a nine-pointer. I could have taken him. I wish I had better binoculars to decide that. That is not how he's making his decisions. He's saying, I sell 90% 10 by 42s Therefore, I'm only going to buy 10 42s next year. And I have some in the $200 the three hundred dollar, the four hundred dollar, the five hundred dollar, et cetera, price points. So obviously, you've got us wound up on this point because we've beat it for like twenty minutes. <laughs> no, ah! no, it's good. <laughs> but but it's it's frustrating um, because we see that result in our booth. Yeah, we watch people walk <laughs> up every day and go, "All right, where's your ten by forty two? And my or, initial reaction, or I use brand L. And I've heard they're the best benchmark years against theirs. Yeah. Why are you better than Brandell? Like, and I always have to take a step back because I live and breathe this every day. I'm very passionate about it. And sometimes I get ornery. <laughs> that, that, that'd be a good way of putting it. <laughs> sometimes. Like and especially after a nine-day show, I have to be like, hold on. This person's just coming and asking some questions. Be patient. Take your time. When do you do that? Every day, brother. Every day. Trust me. I'm the soul of patience. Really? <laughs> but no, Ooh, I, I, I love that. talking to the customer and then say, okay, why are you asking for a 10 by 42? Well, that's what I've always used. And that's what my dad used. My grandpa used. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about why. What does that mean? Yeah. Here's, here's the numbers of a 10 by 42. 10 times magnification, 42 millimeter objective lens. And it's delivering a 4.2 millimeter exit pupil to your eye. Great hybrid, but not necessarily the ideal performance. Let's talk about instead what your use is. Right. And let's find the binocular that fits your use rather than a predetermined idea of what you think you need. And honestly, I'll sell you 10 by 42 all day. If you come up to my booth and say, that's your 10 by 42. Here's a stack of hundies. I'm not sending you away. I'm not kicking you out. But if you take the time to engage me, I'm happy to talk to you about all the options and still 
if you decide a 10 by 42 which we sell two of i'm i'm happy to let you i'm happy to if that is what you decide is the right fit for you that's perfect but i want it to be an educated decision i want you to do it because you've weighed your options and said you know what based off the different scenarios i use a 10 by 42 is a good fit for me beautiful I'll, I'll tell you one all day i'm happy about it what i don't want you to do is walk out with the 10 by 42 when the 12 by 50 or the 8 by 30 or any of those are a better option for you because i want you to walk away happy mm-hmm. um, even if it means Worse talking to mike which is that. rare yeah better than that whatever <laughs> better than that i want you to be happy two seasons from now when you've used those optics in the field in the way that you're going to use them time after time and you've had success that's what i want is that you go oh yeah this is the kind of optic fits the 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 situation that i use and honestly sometimes the right answer for you is not in my booth yeah it's true if you okay. need if if 10 by 42 is what you need and you need a 150 dollar 200 dollar optic i don't sell that I'm happy to point you towards a company that sells a good one. Mm -hmm. There are other companies out there that do a good job in that price range. One day you may or may not be ready to upgrade. I hope you consider my brand. That might be all you ever need for the rest of your life. If I can give you some guidance, some, if I can help you understand a little bit more and you go somewhere else and that satisfies you for the rest of your, your term, I did my job. You know, I'd, I'd love to sell you a binocular, but what I don't want you to do is be unhappy with hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about the, you don't personally, but there's this whole concept of the big tent One. of hunting. One does. Uh, people do. We need more hunters. We need more hunters at the $50 price point. We need more hunters at the $5,000 price point. But what we need is more hunters. It's a dying industry. It's a dying spirit. It's a dying tradition. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to push you out because I you embarrass fit you yeah. because you can't afford my binoculars. I want you in. I want you to be part of it. I want you to be out hunting the woods. I want you to be out shooting that button buck. And if that button buck is your win, hell yeah, brother. Yeah. High five. Let's do it. Yeah, no, and it's it's funny because being at the booth, you know, now for three years working with you guys, I've heard that, you know, people come up and be like, I'm looking for a monocular or this or that. And like, oh, well, we don't sell this product here. Check out these places. And they might be a competitor of yours, but you're there to help out, you know, that end consumer and, and finding it, you know, is, is keeping the whole industry as a whole and worrying about, I guess, the the main goal of everything and creating more hunters and more or less maintaining more hunters than pushing them away. Sure. And it's, it can be daunting. It's, it's a gear intensive industry. Um, You can't walk out of your apartment in New York and kill an elk in Wyoming. You you just can't do it. Um, there's gear required, whether you're an archer and you need that bow and that peep sight and those arrows and broadheads, or it's a rifle hunt and you need a scope and a gun and bullets. It's a gear intensive thing. And gear tends to be a barrier to entry in any sport you're a part of. Um, 
And so us as a gear manufacturer, we have to make sure that the first thing we do when we talk to a customer is lower that barrier to entry, whether it's through purchasing our least expensive products or sending you to a competitor that isn't going to put a penny in my pocket directly, but if it turns you into a hunter and increases our industry in general, it's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, that's part of this whole, you know, with only talking to you loosely about your concept of East meets West to me, East meets West is a whole concept of bringing access and accessibility to everybody. And whether it's a lifelong slug hunter in Pennsylvania that wants to go hunt their very first bull elk in Wyoming, or to me, it's kind of funny because it's the opposite. Like I grew up in Utah shooting mule deer at 14 years old and elk at 16 years old. And to me, that's old hat. I was 40 years old before I sat in a tree stand looking for whitetail. I'm, I'm coming the other direction going, wow, this is odd and different and I love (laughs) it and can't wait to do more. And it's opening those doors and reducing those boundaries to everybody participating. That's awesome. It's fun. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. Like, so the, the interesting kind of how you, you were segue in there was you guys are from the, the West coast and you've been no, doing, no, 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 no. We're, we're oh, from sorry. the Rocky Coast. Ouch. I said coast. Ouch. You're from the Western United States. Right. West of the Mississippi, like the majority of the United States. Yeah. You're not no West Coast Cowboys over there in San Fran. But anyways, yeah, that was, that was a low blow. I apologize for that. But yeah, you guys have found interest. You know, he said coming east, you've been doing some little bit of whitetail hunting, some waterfowl hunting. And that's, you know, and and going back to the whole basis of east meets west is finding adventure no matter where you're going, you know, whether from east to west. And that's just, that's adventure to you guys. Hell yeah. You know, doing something different. I thought I would be bored out of my mind in a tree stand because I grew up, I mean, I didn't grow up hunting at all, actually. It's interesting enough, but but I when I started into hunting, it was all spot and stock. And for me, as a fairly antsy hunter, um, I want to be in person. Motion. Person, I want to be in motion. I want to I, I, I want to constantly be out Dancing. pursuing the game. And <laughs> pregnant pause. <laughs> I I thought sitting in a tree stand would drive me freaking nuts mm-hmm. um it was awesome it was awesome and uh what did, what did you like about it what was that's a really good question um first of all i have to say um my first two days i didn't see much so i had a lot of anticipation and 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 and, and to be honest i was looking at four hour stints in the tree stand so it was like sunrise until midday, take a little break, back in, um, you know, early afternoon through sunset. Um, so four or five hours was a tolerable standpoint. Um, I got day two or day evening of day one, this little spike came through and we were archery hunting 
and uh, I knew I wasn't going to shoot Spike, but I had to. I was. It was interesting how the Spike reacted to the the terrain, to mm-hmm. the scent trail, to rattling. You know, I practiced a little rattling horns, just like moved him around a little bit, drew on him, didn't take a shot, but just drew like practicing, understanding where it was. So it was kind of fun to be interactive from a tree stand. Yeah. And uh, that was that was super fun for me, knowing I wasn't interested in taking the spike, but but what if I had? And knowing what you know, what's a good you know, of course, uh, ranging the terrain, so I understood where my comfortable shots were, um, and then a couple days later, when I was starting to get interactive, with, was starting to see more um, more bucks moving around the terrain, I was glassing them a lot watching how they reacted to calls and to, to rattling, to grunting. Um, so, so trying to play with them a little bit, I'd, I'd had some practice with that on turkey hunting and, uh, and, and I was also elk hunting, but elk hunting, you can, you have those interactions, but a lot of times you're just doing it in an auditory way. You know, you have a bugle, you have, you can't see them all the time. But with these bucks uh, from the tree stand, it was nice to be able to see them. Yeah. You know, and, and be able to. And then we were in Kansas, so we had a little bit of terrain. It wasn't dense foliage like you may have here in, uh, in Pennsylvania. But, you know, just being able to actually see when you see a buck moving, then you rattle and, and then you can see them turn and say, oh, what's going on over there? There's a buck. You know, they, yeah. they're, they're interacting with you. That interaction was really fun for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess what was fun for me was, yeah, there was some downtime, some quiet time sitting in the stand, but I was constantly surveying my, my environment. And then once I did actually glass some bucks that were moving around, watching them interact with each other and with me was, uh, was really fun. And, uh, I actually finally did have a shot on the fourth day, um, and took a shot. And unfortunately, uh, was unsuccessful with that. Um, I actually uh, bounced the arrow off his rib, which uh, I didn't know that until the next afternoon. But that, I mean, I have never been as anxious in a hunting situation as I was when I was on full draw, when that buck was like kind of walking through and preparing to walk into a zone where I was comfortable to take a shot. I mean, my heart was through my throat not in my throat but through my throat it was it was exciting and for me the kind of the weird part about uh um tree stand hunting and i've been archery hunting elk for five six years and it's absolutely my passion it's something i if i could hunt one thing the rest of my life and one thing only it would be archery elk season and it's because I love the interaction, like Mike was talking about bugling and them coming in, and you're not necessarily seeing them, but you're hearing them, and you're trying to decide what to do. And to me, that's the biggest thing about archery elk is you bugle, you hear it, it answer back, and you're like, all right, do I set up and try and get it into me? Do I move on it? What do I do? Tree stand, you're a dope on a rope. <laughs> you are, you're pinned up there, and you just are begging that thing to walk within... 40 yards of your tree. Yeah. And 
second day in sitting on this uh, Kansas archery hunt and you know I'm sitting in the stand of cottonwoods down in a bottom and there's all these cornfields and stuff around me so I can see quite a ways and I'm seeing a lot of animals and the most beautiful whitetail which is rough for me to say as a westerner to say that a whitetail is beautiful because they're like excuse me dogs with horns oh here we go (laughs) but this was an they're really small they are small but this is a beautiful, uh, and everyone's going to say, like, yeah, bullshit. It is a seven by seven, the most symmetrical animal I've you ever a 14 seen. 14 point. Whatever. You can yes. do math. <laughs> get mad. Yeah, let's get, we're going Eastern perspective here. It's a 14 point. 13 on one, one on the other. No, it is a symmetrical seven by seven. Everyone, <laughs> sorry. Everyone can do math except for that one little group in Nebraska, and we'll explain it later. Um, <laughs> no one from Nebraska listens to your podcast. We don't have to worry about it. No, there's there's like zero listeners from Nebraska. See, You're good. I knew. I checked the map. <laughs> so this beautiful 14-point, perfectly symmetrical, big rounded horns at about 100 yards just comes hauling ass through the cornfield. I'm rattling, I'm doing whatever, and he's on a string, just never comes even close. I'm chained up in this tree. I've got no choices, no options, and I just watch him cruise through, bag up over the hill, and I never see him again in the seven days we're there. That was a difficult <laughs> moment. Like, there was nothing I you could do. You wanted to go after him. Yeah. If I was, if I was a ground hunter like my normal game i would have seen him coming in i would have tried to cut him off i like it's ground hunter ground hunter i mean i didn't know what else Tree to call hunter. it but it works right like you're either yeah. you're like, on the ground if i had been on the ground moving around if i'd been a spot and stock you still would have I probably still would have never been had a chance gone but mentally my game would have been different it wouldn't have been how can i call him to me can i rattle can i grunt can i whatever it would have been a can I cut here? Can I move here? Can I get in front of him? Can I do this? So the mentality of a tree stand versus not a tree stand. Um, and I say dope on a rope with the greatest of respect because it completely changes your game. But when you are locked up in that tree, it is a different hunt. It's tied up in the tree. You know? Yeah, when you say locked into the tree, it locked. chained. Sorry, say that tree. again. What's the O on that? Locked? Locked. Locked. <laughs> this is a, a U in there somewhere that I can't quite hear, but I'll I buy it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the next day. Anyway. You don't want to hear the rest of my own. You yeah, do. do. You do. He had a big ass buck come in. And he's totally screwed it All right. up. And it's a good story. <laughs> but we're already at 45 minutes, and I hate You're to good. bore him. No, you know, keep going. So this is the worst of West meets East that you can get. Cause this is West meets East. I pulled a series of bonehead moves, the likes of which. Like I do elk hunting. Probably. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there so, it was. So no shit, there I was. Were you here last week when we were talking about the, like, every great hunting story starts with, <laughs> so no shit, there I was. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I apologize. So no crap, there I was. So <clears throat> it was my third or fourth sit, and I've had, you know, I, I saw this huge 14-point go by, and I've seen, 
just watched some amazing dudes. I mean, I mentioned earlier that little spike that I'd seen. Yeah, that was like day two and three. He's seen the massive bucks, but all at a distance. And I've seen him sparring and breaking off horns. Oh man, two hundred yards insane. out. I mean, it's just. But every sit I go on, using fantastic. way out, way out in Eastern standards, like like. It's Kansas. Fifty yards. It's Kansas. It's flat. Yeah. I might be looking to Idaho. It's hard to say. <laughs> and with the binoculars I had with me, I probably could see Idaho because they were that good. Plug, plug, Maven, Maven built. Anyway, hashtag, hashtag Maven built. So, um, my the guides that we're with um, were on this uh, semi-guided hunt where they. They've scouted. They've got pictures. We're staying at their lodge. By guiding, they say, you sit here. Yeah. Sit here. Here's your four choices of where to sit. Here's our pictures. Here's going to lunch. We'll pick you up. We'll have, you know, post-toasties. Um, and so he's like, I've seen this buck around this area. I call him 747 because he's like a... He doesn't have a lot of points, but he's wide, like right. super wide, right? Like, all right, yeah, whatever, you know, all you Easterners naming your bucks, and we just shoot shit and put it down, but whatever. Another dig on the Eastern guys. You're not getting many uh, Maven buyers out of this one. Anyway, so there <laughs> I was. <laughs> there you were. So there I was. No shit. No shit, there I was. So... I'm sitting up in my tree stand, and I'm looking around, and mostly I can see to the west and the <laughs> from the east. From the east. Move on, dude. But I, I'm looking behind me, literally to the east, and there's this cornfield, and here comes this buck out, and he he's so big he looks like a muley. Just tall. It's super wide. wide and tall. And, like, he's way above his ears. Like I think that's a nice buck. And I rattle. I've got, you know, some little rattles that I bought. And I give it a little rattle. And his head comes up, looks at me, and comes in like he's on a string. I mean, just bags ass to me. He closes. So he's probably 200 yards out when I first rattle. He comes in maybe 100 yards, jumps the fence, doesn't give me quite a clean shot. And then he breaks right, and he goes around, and he gets up into the trees. And he's working his way down. And I've dragged a scent drag or a stink string or stink string. That's not what they call it, but they should, shouldn't they? Yeah, that's not that's not bad. That's Thanks. not bad, but yeah. But I'm dragging scent my drag. stink string through the. So he's following right along this path. I'm like, I know where he's going to come out. I've ranged all my shots. I know right where he's coming. Right. So I'm waiting. I see him come, and I'm so I'm on the backside of this big cottonwood. My because my stand is facing west and he's on the east side right now. So I see him come on one side and I, I decide I need to draw on the far side of him so that when he steps out, he's right at 30 yards. I've got a 30-yard shot. I've been practicing this all my life, right? <clears throat> so I watch him walk and he's walking on pace, doing a good, good steady speed. I, he gets right behind the blind spot of my tree. I come to full draw. I'm waiting on him, waiting on him. He's supposed to step out any second. He stalls out. I'm sure that's never happened to you on a buck in a No. Day. So waiting. I'm waiting. 
starting to shake, starting to get the wobbles. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Like, what the hell? He's supposed to be, like, he should have been out, it feels like an hour ago. It's probably four seconds ago. Starting to wobble. I'm like, all right, he's turned. I need to let down and readjust. Just as I start letting down, he walks into this little one-foot spot that I have cleared, and I let go and kind of push forward. That arrow flies about a foot and a half off his back. Nowhere close to him. He hears the thwack or the hit of the arrow or whatever, and he bolts. Wait, don't see anything. Like, oh, crap, okay, I'm going to go down, grab my arrow, see what's going on. I crawl down the tree stand. I get down. I'm looking for my arrow. At that point, did you know that you missed him? Yeah. Oh, it was clean. Yeah. It was clean. But wait. But wait, there's more. But wait. So I'm down there. I'm looking for my arrow, and I look over. And what does he see? What do I see? I see 747 bagging ass back in towards me. My bow's still up in the tree. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> move. Oh. Yeah, my bow's still up in the tree. Oh, yeah. So, so he's going to stab him with the arrow. <laughs> so I hunker down. I run over, clip in, climb up the tree, try to get there. Of course, he comes in, blows out, goes back, right? <clears throat> it's so, not over. Oh, yeah, it doesn't end there. So I get up in the tree, lower my bow down. Go back, look for my arrow again, find my arrow, good shape still, landed in some marshy stuff. Go back up in the tree, and I'm sitting there, like, heart's yeah, pumping a little bit. Pitch. Like, man, I screwed that up. I can't believe it. I look around, and sure as shit, here comes that buck back in. My bow's down at the bottom of the tree, because, of <laughs> course, I lowered it back down. <laughs> Luckily, it's still connected. Luckily, it's oh, still on God. the... On the safety rope, I quietly pull it back up, get it all set, and he never comes back in within 60 or 70 yards. But Oh, man. That's... But, I mean, you talk about a lifetime of hunting out east and a lifetime of hunting out west. That scenario, we just don't deal with that. That's, that's different situation. It's a scenario I've never been a part of in my life. Um, and I would mock the hell out of you if you did something silly on a <laughs> – you're capturing this one, aren't you? Yep. That would have been, I mean, there's some elk hunts that I've blown for different reasons, but because of elk doing weird things. But I elk learned. Elk do whatever they, whatever they want, in my opinion. I learned anyway. a lot on that. Oh, man. So so we were elk hunting. We we were out. Um, we, Squirrel. We, Squirrel. <laughs> Shiny. I mean, yeah, I mean, you do all kinds of shit. So we're out rifle hunting for elk and walking through the woods and uh we're we're, we're like walking along chit i don't know which story he's telling this is that, the, the two the two cows where i we walk right in they're right in front oh, of us yeah so snowing and blowing a bushel of fun it's snowing and blowing we've already gone through archery season we're now on a meat hunt and it's the two of us walking through and we're discussing. We're actually discussing at this point. Like, do you walk with a with a with one in the chamber and on safety, or do you walk with one in the magazine and then you chamber one when you get in an elk sit an elky 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 situation when it gets elky. So <laughs> we're actually talking about this shortly before this all goes down, 
And um, Cade is um, keep one in the chamber and on safety. And I've always been more uh, don't keep one in the chamber and chamber one when it gets elky, quote unquote. And so we're talking about this and we pop around. I'm slightly ahead of you at this time. And it's snowing. Which he usually is because he is fast and agile and I'm slow and fast. Yes, fast (laughs) and agile. Which I accept. Yeah. So we pop over this little, we're in this little kind of down, there's some down trees. Mm -hmm. And we pop up and all of a sudden we stop. I've got my my gun in my hip, sort of in my arms. Scope cover on because it's Scope cover on because it's freaking snowing. One in the, not one in the chamber. And here's some elk 30 yards in front of us popping up from their bedded situation. And he's waving his left <laughs> arm. Stop, Be- stop. Because they can't see me from that side because yeah. there's some trees. But And I'm ready to shoot, but, but I can't, can't see the see elk. Damn thing. <laughs> Mike is three steps because he's traveling safely through New Jersey, apparently. Um, <laughs> With his ammo in his backpack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, <laughs> we did not shoot. We an did elk not shoot an elk that day. Yeah, but uh, thought you were going to talk about the elk that I shot because oh, that was you did not too. believe in my that was scenario. Good too. That first, that was our first elk hunt together. Yeah, we're out with our buddy Scott, who now works in our warehouse. I was going to wait and make sure that Bo gave us the nod to tell another story. Can we you tell can, another yeah, story? Tell another He's over story. here getting glassy eyed, yeah, checking his watch. Shit. Wait a minute. Well, I don't have a watch. He's posting to Instagram <laughs> over here like, what is this shit? Just wanted to make sure he's, you were open for another hashtag one. Hashtag FML, you know. <laughs> he's DM, he's de- DMing some girl saying, like, I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up. Oh. <laughs> hashtag one night tree stand. <laughs> Keep going. Let's hear the story. Uh, so we're walking around with Scott through this burn area, and Scott's like ditched us, and 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 Cade and I are like walking together, and he's like, he's like, I'm like, I'm gonna take the high ground. Okay, hold on. Stop. Back up. Pause. Back up. Wait. So this is Mike's sixth year oh, of elk you. cutting. No, but it's it's relevant. <laughs> and Mike says at the beginning Unsuccessful for six years. Mike has said if I don't get an elk this year, I think I might be done. Six years. So we're elk hunting together I and I say I am not pulling the trigger until Mike has an opportunity. So I don't even have ammo in my gun at this point, right? <clears throat> like literally, I haven't not even in the magazine. I don't like the way this story's going. Go ahead. Don't let the story get in the way of a good truth. <laughs> <laughs> so Excellent. So we go up opening morning with our buddy Scott, who is now a Maven employee, by the way. Um, and sun comes up. We don't see an elk directly. Scott says, I'm heading this way. Mike and I say, "Let's. we're going to work up our way up this ridge. And we get up. And we work the ridge, don't see any elk. We drop down a couple hundred yards. And this mountain that we're on works down maybe 300 yards, shelves out to a nice plateau, then drops off again another 300 yards to another plateau. And it's an old burn, uh, old uh We actually call it Black Mountain. All all the trees are black. And And there's a lot of down timber. It's kind of rough. And we get to the first plateau, and Mike says... 
I think I'm going to work down down this. I said, you know what? I, I, I think we should go down one more and work that one. He says, no, I'm, I'll work this when you go down one. Reluctantly, I agree. And since we're separating and I can't give him the lead, you put I go ahead and chamber around. He starts walking down. It, we're not apart for 20 seconds. And what do you hear? Boom! So I had walked down, and I got to the first little plateau, and I look, and here comes a little two-by-one velvet yeah. velvet yeah. spike. And all I can see is its head, right? Cow call, pokes its head up, put my gun on his right between his eyes. I'm like, this is either a clean hit or a clean miss. There's no no halfway here. Pull the trigger. Yeah, we hadn't been apart. I mean, literally half a minute. <laughs> hadn't been apart I'm not very long. Half a minute. Pull the trigger, come back down, you know, come off the recoil. It's a rifle hunt. No elk. I don't see him anywhere. I'm listening. Nothing crashing through the woods. Like, huh. Wait for a second, walk up. Nailed him right between the eyes, dropped like he was hit with a sledgehammer. Didn't move six inches. Um, so I gave up elk hunting. Yeah. You gave up elk hunting? That's oh, why he's he did a, not. That's why <laughs> he's no. a, I was going to say, that's Hell a no. terrible motivation. <laughs> Hell <story>. no. <laughs> Hell no, I was fired. I was like, screw you. I'm going to take the low trail next time. Yeah. No, yeah, we just quartered her up, quartered him up, hauled him out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, hey, well, that gives me a, a little bit of hope. You know, I'm going on three years without killing an elk. Dude. But maybe it's hope or maybe it's not. I don't know how to how to take that story. Yeah, just go with the flow. <laughs> just be happy you get a chance to walk around. I don't know if there's a moral to that story. <laughs> there's but... not a moral. Yeah, it's just a good a good way to boost your own self-esteem and put Mike down. Is that kind of what it is? I shot a cow. <laughs> I'm just, I shot a cow <laughs> the next year right between the eyes, too. So, Did you? Yeah, hey. It's all good. That's, that's exactly. That's She's awesome. good eating. When Cade says take the low road, take the low road. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. That's that's the moral of the story. <laughs> when Cade says take the low road in whatever aspect that may be in your life, take that low road. I usually recommend the low road. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've learned that from <laughs> some of your uh, tips for me in life. But <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's that's awesome, and it's funny. Like, um, so going back a little bit to where you were comparing like the white tail thing and how you're making like you know those little mistakes that like. For me, I'm like, I would never get out of the tree stand, you know, without a bow. But that's not something, you know, you're used to or, or out to. And it's the same thing with me hunting elk. You know, I done, I've done things that I told Western guys, and they're like, you did what? Like, this is, your, is this what you did in that scenario? And it's just learning a new, yeah. you know, a new venture. And, man, sometimes you wish you could have those opportunities back, as I've, I'm sure you do with uh, the big 7 by 7 or whatever he was, or whatever he was, <laughs> but but that's that's fourteen points. That's what's cool about hunting is, you know, another story. Last week we went out hunting with some friends of ours for geese in Kansas. Uh huh. And waterfowl is not a big thing in Wyoming, if you can imagine, since there's not a lot of freaking water. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so these boys from Kansas, they slay it with uh, Holy moly. ducks and geese. 
um, some friends of ours. I'm going to give them a plug if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Throw them out there. um, Bobby Hayes um, owns and makes Ducklander calls, and the guy makes some kick-butt calls and puts down some waterfowl. So it must have been November of last year when I said, all right, we're coming out to Kansas. We're on our way to Pennsylvania. If we give you a couple of days, what's opening? Oh, yeah, come down. We'll we'll do something. We'll put some hunts together. And uh, so we go out, and he's been scouting for days. He's been sending me videos. Duck just ended. Yeah, duck ends Sunday. We pull into town Sunday night, so it's goose only at this point. Yeah. Which is fine we're not hunting anything in wyoming this time of year so yeah it's all bonus season to us and um bobby bobby just wants to show us a good time this it, it hurts his soul if we don't get to shoot stuff right and they put some scouting on and they've they've i think they said they put 1400 miles on in two days on their truck scouting for geese holy cow right they drove everywhere and they had them Every- patterned. They had gone knocked on 50 doors for permissions to get permissions to ranches. And they've got this all dialed in. And they've got the weather forecast all set. So we get out there Monday afternoon. And the forecast is wrong. It's supposed and to freeze. To it's supposed to be solid to get out in the fields. It's 32 degrees. It's all muddy. We can't drive out there. Can't get the decoys set up right because you can't get the full bodies out. And we end up in this field, and for some reason or another, the geese are heavy about a half mile away. Which is the second year in a row. I wasn't going to dime them out like that, but okay. Um, <laughs> and so it's not their course, fault. Yeah, it's the second year in a row. Literally, we've been we don't one get a field single over. shot at a goose. We must see 40,000 geese. None of them within range to shoot because yeah. they're all in the next field. Yeah. Because of a weather pattern. Because yep. of one small thing. Um, and this Which is where... Which we, we, we experience all the time, the hunting we do, that weather patterns affect everything. Yeah. But you don't get it in the extreme you do with waterfowl hunting, where you can see that you are one... F- that you're a hundred <laughs> yards, a hundred yards off. Yeah. You can, you can actually... See, like, when you're elk hunting and they're not there, they're not there. But when you're waterfowl hunting and they're not there, they're just over there. Yeah. But this led me to a hunting epiphany. Let's hear it. I thought he was going to steal it. That's why I was getting No, old. no, no. I set you up. This dark look on go, my face because he likes to steal my one-liners and claim them as his. Yeah, Mike does that kind of stuff. He, he is that ass. guy. I Yeah, I can't. Yeah, but, never mind. The reason we <laughs> struggle all the time when we travel to hunt it's, we it's the single most valuable thing in my humble and ever so accurate opinion. Wait, that's my line. That is your line. See what I did there? Sorry. In my humble opinion, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Time in the woods is irreplaceable. So valuable. And so you book this hunt three years out and say, all right, outfitter, here's my 10 grand. I'm coming out to hunt elk in Wyoming, and I'm going to be there from the 15th to the 20th. And Stormfront does come in, and it's awesome, or it doesn't come in, and it sucks. But our advantage is we're in Wyoming, and my between archery and rifle, my elk season's 60 days long. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a crappy day. But we leave come, my house. But we come, but we come waterfowl hunting in Kansas for 
a day and a half. Yeah, and, that, and they're and crappy days. And they've poured their heart and soul into weather. making sure we have a good time. Yeah. But we have 36 hours and it doesn't pan out. Right. They feel crappy, but they've cut, they've shot more than their legal amount of ducks. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Bobby. No, I mean, they've, they've slayed them, but they've stayed home on bad days and they've gone out on good days yep. because they have that availability. Right. And so my advice which is a segue to nothing because you didn't ask. If you're going to go <laughs> west to hunt. Just move there. Don't go just move. Yeah. No, but Colorado, not Wyoming. Wyoming's not open. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. No, put some time into it. Yeah. Get, you know, and if you can only put five days, which a lot of us can. You take a, a week of vacation. By the time you travel out and back, understand that you've got some limitations. And... I know people beat their outfitters up and say, you know, I paid 10 grand. How come you didn't guarantee me an elk? It's like the storm front didn't come through. The weather's been high. It's a drought year. Yeah. It's if you can't put the time into it, you have to kind of deal the hand you're dealt or play the hand you're dealt. That's what I meant. And ex- and accept that the, the, the time we get in the woods, in the mountains, in the field is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. And I, I learned, and I'm still learning the, the value of sometimes not overbooking and trying to do as many things as possible and right. just enjoying the things that you are doing. Right. From the standpoint, when I spent 14 days in Colorado this last year, that was amazing. Like, I had 14 days to still not kill an elk. And it, but it was like. Shit, I had six years, brother. Yeah, it was, it was invaluable as far as like. I got to see the seasons change from yeah. summer to the Aspens and or Quakies as everyone calls them in the West. It seems like turn I call them Aspens. Do you call them Aspens? I do now. I grew up calling them Quakies. Yeah. So they, they're but turning, I'm a Western boy by trade. So yeah, yeah, West Coaster, and uh, they're Ooh. starting to turn yellow, and just like the whole th- being able to see that and slow time down, and right. Enjoy that whole experience was like. That's was awesome. in, invaluable, you know, and 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 I'm like I said, that's still a learning aspect for me because I look at the year, you know, and I get it, you know, at going to trade shows, people are like, oh, what do you got planned for this fall? And if I feel like if I'm not rattling off, you know, four things that I'm not, you know, doing anything, but in reality, I think having one or two trips that are just really getting to spend the time is. Is it's worth it. I mean, it's amazing how little you have to do to have a podcast. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, I can't even respond to that. I can't even respond. Ouch. To I'm just getting slammed Ouch. over here. Ouch. Man. I just, yeah, I'm getting slammed here, guys. So it's all love, someone man. support it's me. You know, I appreciate you. Yeah, I know. No. So, <laughs> and I have this conversation with my wife every fall. Um, the the hunt. You would think you didn't have to do it again and again every fall. The hunt is different than the kill, mm-hmm. and I, I I love to take my bow for a walk. Bow hikes, bow hikes, just grab and go. And you have those, don't you? Bow I'm professional at it. Yeah, I've seen more mountain sunrises because of hunting. Yeah. Sure, sure, I could get up every morning at four in the morning and hike up to the top of a hill and watch the sunrise, but I don't. But give me a tag and 
a bow in my hand, I'm up there every morning watching that rise. And the second I release that arrow, the second I pull that trigger, it it changes the fall for me. It's it's over, you know. I it was weird. October first of last year, I already had my antelope down. I shot my elk opening morning a rifle after a season of um uh, archery hunting successful. No archery hunting. I was trying to put her all together. October first, I come home with my elk tag filled, my antelope tag filled. And we don't have, you know, 17 dozen tags or whatever you guys get a shoot out here. I literally washed my camo and put it, like, all my hunting stuff got was put away by October 2nd last year. Tags filled and done. And it was, you know, I opened my freezer and saw the the chops and the burger there, and I was satisfied and fulfilled. Bittersweet, though. And yet it was crazy to be done that early in the season and go crap now i have to do chores this this is rough yeah man i wish i was as good as you you know no you don't <laughs> many do many no, do my friend me me it, it's always it takes me to the last possible day of anything i do to to have success and, and at the same time like what, what you were saying i don't think i'd want to be done that early i mean like what i feel like would I be super excited if that did happen? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you should try success and yeah. see how it tastes. God damn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm getting smoked. I don't know. If, <laughs> if we all could be as cool as Cade. Yeah, I know. That's that's what this whole what name of this podcast is going to be. The life of Cade. That's all it is. I had one good year. I'll take it. Oh, man. <laughs> it just happened to me last year. It happened to be last year. Yeah. Give me next year. No. How about that? Yeah. Next year he'll suck. I can't wait. I hope so. Yeah, he will. (laughs) Ouch. I'm kidding. I'm not. I don't wish. Screw him. (laughs) You said it, not me. You have to be around him all the time. I only have to see him for a week every year. Yeah, that's for sure. He gets to be around me all the time. Right. Man, I I just shot two. I'm glad we're in a big open room. Because if Cade had to fit his head through the doorway right oh now, it'd be God. very you difficult. Would be suffocating. You've been waiting on that one all week. Since yeah, I got you last weekend. I know. I'm saving that up. Yeah, so we're at the let's. We're gonna go real quick. A story. We're at the outdoor show, getting a photo, and Cade's taking the picture of me and some other guys. And he goes, "Hold on, let me step back. I can't get Bo's ego in the photo." Oh, absolute just fair. burn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone thought it was funny, too, you know? Well, yeah. It's because you're a down-to-earth, low-impact guy, and you're not... Your ego is, like... It's, like, the size of that table. I mean, like, it's a really big table, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) You try to be nice, and you just can't do it. No, I can't. You're right. Yeah, man. It's impossible. That's great. But, yeah, that's... uh, it's 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 interesting and and just to kind of bring this all back around like oh like there's a central theme I can't wait to hear what it was East meets West no it, it all ha- no what I what I'm meaning is <laughs> how you can and how you can find that sort of adventure through no matter what yeah. it is you it know, is it's, true it's it's direct consumer optics it's no direct- <laughs> no I, I I hate to disagree with you Cade. Wait a minute. No, I love to disagree with you, Cade. But I agree with you, Bo. 
that the the central theme is there's tons of adventure to have yeah. in this wonderful sport of ours. And it's how you define it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to to expand your your horizons a little bit and look outside the box of the wherever you are used to mm-hmm. experiencing your own adventure. Go west if you've been out east. Go east if you've been out west. And uh, go, shit, we can all go to the west coast and hunt pigs. Why and not? To, and to me, it's no, don't, you, yeah, just don't let other people define what your adventure is. Yes, I think so many people get caught up in the insta life of watching these hunters and huntresses traveling the world, killing goats in Azerbaijan, and um, fishing in just get out the there. Just go. You know do what? Something. Sometimes my adventure of the week is walking three miles down and fishing for trout in my hometown because I've got to find that time for myself. I've got to carve it out and letting other people define what your adventure is, letting other people tell you what gear to use, what's cool, what's hip. doesn't matter if it's your, your dream hunt or your dream coat or your dream optics. You can't be defined by someone else. Get out got, to, got to do what works for you and just get her done. Get, yeah. get on it. In, and learn from mavens. Mavens. Whether it's optics or just your, the mavens in your industry. Right. Yeah. No, I'd, I I like that. I, I like that kind of that outlook on it and just being yourself and figuring what makes you tick and, and do it. And then push your boundaries push that a little, little bit. bit. I was just going to say yeah. push that a little bit and, yeah. and, and get outside. Meet somebody of it. new. Go try some new adventure. Yep. I and I completely agree. Try to get someone else on board because we needed more people in the industry. Yep. I duck with a boner drag weeds. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> He's been waiting to use that line. Yeah, even though it doesn't It was forced. Night. It was forced, but I had asked Bo to to set me up, but as the poor host that he is, he never did. Yeah, I, well, there's a reason for that, Cade, but you didn't pick up on it, you know. Sorry. Yeah, he's a little slow. Yeah, it, it happened. I got to live just, my best life, Bo. That's just <laughs> Cade's <laughs> out here living his best life. That's the, if you can't uh, tell already the the Maven uh, brand, the company, the people behind it. Just just good people and like to have fun and I I guess like to l- like just like the whole aspect of if you want to call it a sport or the industry as a whole and and helping everyone throughout that. Well, because the one thing you had asked about, you had asked about our corporate culture or our company culture, and I just wanted to kind of bring that back around because you you had talked about it a little bit. Um, as Mike reaches for his drink, he's trying to figure out how I'm going to frame this to shed the best possible light on us, which is not my forte. Um, not at all. <laughs> but Maven, um, I'm going to... So we have an internal business uh, ethos. Ethos. That's not. I don't know where you're going with this, so I can't um, really back you up. Tagline. Oh yeah, tagline. Or, so when we Mantra. first started, the three of us, when we first started a long uh, time ago, we said, "Yes, don't work with douchebags." <laughs> Literally, that was that like, was it. Seriously, that was all. We sat around. And we said, "What do we want to do? We want to live in Wyoming, and we want to not work with douchebags." <laughs> and it's, it, it's been a it's been a watchword since day Absolutely. one. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and 
you know, it, it sounds crass, or it is crass, it's I guess. A um, it's a little rough. But what we really mean by that is... Don't work with people you don't want to work yeah, with. Yeah, it's... And I've kind of coined a thing, and everyone kind of laughs at me, but I'm going to say it again and again because I believe it. And then I'm going to laugh at him. We work in the toy industry. <laughs> we do. We work in the toy industry. We, we make toys. Whether it's optics or bows or guns or tree stands, these aren't needs. These aren't roofs. These is these aren't these isn't. Woo. You really I, don't. I've been need in this Pennsylvania to too long. <sighs> these isn't. Sorry. We make toys. Yeah. These aren't necessities. They aren't required to get by day to day. And you have all of these people getting bent out of shape with each other warring factions and oh you wear a kuyu you can't come in i i wear sitka or you're a first light guy or we all work in the toy industry we're all having fun we're all doing things that we, we love. all should be having fun we all better be having fun and i could care less if your favorite binocular is a 50 dollar bushnell or a three thousand dollar swarovski if you're having fun you're loving what you do and you're not a douchebag, I'm on board. I'm with you. Let's have fun. You can come to my house. You can have a drink. We'll have steaks together. That's that's what we're supposed to be about. We're all supposed to be about camaraderie, about showing each other how to hunt whitetails if we accidentally leave our bow in the tree. You know, we're just... Just don't turn your brain off, but either way, keep going. But we're... <laughs> that's... We all screwed we've up. Become, we've become too divisive yeah. of an industry. Um, and I don't care if you're a traditional bow hunter or a long-range rifle hunter. In the end, we're all supposed to be working towards the same things, having the same goals, the same ethos. And it's it's a cool place to be, and it's a pretty exciting place to be. And that's what we're about at Maven is, you know what, if you come up and say, look, I have these... 40-year-old Steiners, they're the best thing I've ever owned in my life, and I don't know why I would ever buy your stuff. Like, okay, right. if, if you come up not being a jackass about it, if you're just genuine about it, sweet. We're having a barbecue on Tuesday night. You want to show up? Sweet. No big deal. Um, and that's how we try to approach our entire thing. All of the employees that we have working at Maven now, um, I believe, and Maybe they'll kick me when they hear this, but they're psyched that they get to work in this industry. They're psyched that they get to work for a cool company. Um, cool being relative. I'm not trying to inflate what we are, but it's a fun place to work. Because At least you we didn't work use the word hip again. Did I use hip earlier? You used hip earlier. Because when I got up to go to the bathroom, I hurt my hip, I think. That might have been, <laughs> been the extent of it. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I, I completely get what you're saying. And that's why I come back to this show every year. I enjoy yeah. it. I enjoy working with it's you guys. People. And it is. Yeah. It's, we have fun the entire time. And I don't mean just in the Maven booth. I mean, just this, this, this yeah. industry for the most part, it's good people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when Bo takes off for seven hours out of the booth and it's goes and hangs six, out at other booths, six, five and a half. it's cause he's finding cool booths to hang out. Yeah, yeah, cool people, and that's what it's all about. Right. That's what yeah. it's all about. That's what it's all about. 
Oh, man. As, as you can see, we like to have fun and we dig on each other a lot the whole lot. the whole day. Bo's picking on me all day. I can't take it. Yeah, just luckily we have a uh, light sense of humor and it's, it, <laughs> that works out. So let's let's dive into this final thoughts here. Question that that I ask most guests forget sometimes, but I'm going to ask Cade here first. How do you define adventure? To me adventure is anything that is fun for me that pushes my boundaries of comfort a little bit. Like just a little bit outside my normal scope of fun and com- uh, of comfort that's still fun is adventurous to me. Okay. I like that answer. Mike. So I believe in the types of fun. So adventure has to be type two fun at least. So, t- and, and you guys have heard this all before, but type one fun is when you're like, just, just fun. It's just joyful right now. Type two fun is Shoe when show. it's a little bit stressful and it's not really fun until you sort of revisit it. That, that, that cross that's, that's adventure. And then type three fun is only fun if you tell it. It's actually not fun at all. It was zero fun. It was uncomfortable and unpleasant, but it was a really good story. Yeah. Type two and type three, that's where you hit adventure. Gotcha. So it's funny you say that because I always use the term type two fun. Yeah. And that's how I explain elk hunting most of the time. Yeah. And I haven't heard the type three part. Oh, type three is only good in the story. Yeah. Yeah, you you absolutely had zero fun. (laughs) You were (laughs) suffering. It was unpleasant. It was absolute, nearly horror. Yeah. But it made a great story. So I'm going to misquote this. I'm going to misquote it, but I know you're trying to wrap up, but this is an important thing to know about Mike. One of the greatest climbers um, in adventure climbing in the world said about Mike, Mike doesn't start laughing until the blood starts flowing. Type three fun. So he might not be the right person to ask about adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Did I quote it right, though? You did. Close enough. Todd Skinner, right? Todd Skinner. That's good. All right, guys. Let's let's talk real quick about... No, we're not. We're not diving in another subject. I thought you were wrapping it up. That's why I I might have just misspoken the way I was trying to put my words together there, but. Where can we find more about Maven? Oh, yeah, 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 mavenbuilt.com. Yeah. That's our website. Yeah, check us out. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff there. Yep. Um, blog posts, of course, lots of product. You can build, you can customize a bino, uh, build an order. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. Yeah. And then on Instagram, you're at mavenbuilt, is that yep. correct? And then Maven, just Maven on Facebook. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing that you will find on our website that is unique to us and to me, one of the cruxes of what we're able to offer is we have a demo program. Oh, yeah. Like pretty unique that you get a chance to take a pair of optics into a real world situation and everything looks great under the lights at the Harrisburg show. Everything looks great under the lights at um, store C. You or get, BP. Or BP or FNS or whatever. But you can actually get on our website, get a pair of optics, and take them out in the field for a couple of weeks. And I recommend when you do that, you call all your buddies that have their favorite optics and line them up side by side. Amen. Nothing I like better than putting ours next to everybody else's. Yep. 
confident. I like it. That's it. That's all right, it, guys. bro. That's, That's all it. we got. That's all I have to say. Just that little short little bit. All I have to say is thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, it's been bro. a long week for you guys. I know I wasn't here the whole time with you, but it's been a long week, tiring. Spent some time after a good steak dinner and a drink or two to sit down and record this. So thank three, you guys. Cade. Yeah, Cade's yeah, we're not gonna get into his problem, but yeah, thank you guys very much for Hey, that. thanks for having us. Yeah. Appreciate thanks, it. Bo. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.